times when we gather together, we're thinking more like we're visiting the museum of our past experiences and looking for some reinforcement of what we already think. But just maybe, God has a surprise for us. Have you been surprised by God lately? I know Glenda has. She gets surprised every week. I've been surprised a number of times. I think there's some surprise involved in the story we're looking at today. And just to remind ourselves, our Bible is indeed a story. A story made up of many other stories, some in prose, some in poetry. The story as a whole tells us of how God has related to his children over the centuries. The story we're looking at today takes us back about three millennia. And I'm going to have to do a little background before we get into the scripture text this morning. Samuel was getting old, and his sons were not following in his path. Uh, they were sort of 21st century folks. They were taken up with stuff, with money. And so the people said, you know, this is our chance. We can be like the other tribes around us. We can have a king. And so they stomped their feet and said, God, we want to have a king just like everybody else. And God said, okay, you can give it a try. Well, you know, the women didn't have much input at this point, but I think there were some conversations over dinner. Because when the guys got around to making their selection, they said, we want that tall, handsome guy named Saul. Quite a contrast to the short handicapped guy that Jesus called to take the gospel to the Gentiles who had the same name. Well, Samuel anointed Saul and he became the king. With the passage of time, things didn't work too well. And finally there was an occasion where Saul said, you know, I think I've got a little better idea than God, and I'll make a little adjustment to the plan. And God said, enough is enough. And he called on Samuel once again. He said, Samuel, we're going to have to put Saul aside and anoint another king. Uh, this was a little frightening. Uh, after all, if Saul found out that another king was being anointed, he just might have some vindication on Samuel. And Samuel said, wait a minute. God said, cool it. I've got a plan. And so Samuel began to implement the plan, setting up the sacrifices and inviting Jesse and his sons to participate. And then 
he began looking over the prospects and he almost fall, fell into the same trap. These are good looking young men. Surely one of these has been chosen by God. And he went through seven young men. Every time God said, no, no, this is not the one. And finally in desperation he said, Jesse, do you have another son somewhere? He said, yeah, there's that youngster down there with the sheep. And Samuel said, okay, bring him in. So the young man, David, came. And God said, this is the one. What was there about David that was different from those other young men? Well, I think as I read the eighth Psalm, I get some perspective on David. I see the young man out there with the sheep gazing into the night sky, being overwhelmed by the magnificence of the heavens and asking a lot of profound questions. I remember asking those same kinds of questions on those hot Texas nights when I was out there trying to find a cool breeze and looked up into the sky. In the majesty of all of this, where do I fit in? And where do we human beings fit into God's vision, God's plan. And I see him coming to the understanding that he and we have a very special place in God's creation as we walk with him. I think this is some insight into why it was that God found David to be his choice to become the king of Israel. And David went on to do some very special things. He brought the people together. Oh, he wrote poems. He played music. And he slipped and fell. And we know about his sins but let's not get too carried away because we can join David. But what was it that he did? I refer you to the 51st Psalm. He confessed his sins and was restored. David was just a shepherd boy, but God found in him the potential for becoming a king. And you know, God can find in every one of us potential, not for being a king, but for king, being a participant in his plan, participant in calling together God's sheep. You know, it's interesting when the prophet Nathan came to confront David about his sin, 
He told him a story about sheep. Maybe we can learn something from sheep. Maybe we can learn that we need to follow a shepherd or we just might get ourselves in trouble. Well, did God quit calling people, transforming people? He's been doing that ever since. I have an assignment for you. I'm, I'm sorry, I just can't help it. Once a teacher, always a teacher. So sometime today, I want you to sit down with your Bible. Open your Bible to the ninth chapter of John and read another story. A story about how a blind beggar was given sight. Not merely physical sight, but spiritual sight. And how it caused great consternation among the Pharisees who thought they saw. Jesus advised them that they were the blind ones. And sometimes I wonder if we have some vision problems as well. I wonder if sometimes we come to the scriptures and we come together to worship, to take a trip to a museum, to refresh our visions of antiquities, of those things that we have come to believe in the past and we're not quite ready to see something new, to be surprised. God is a God of many surprises. Stories are powerful things. We've looked at one here from the Hebrew scriptures. You're gonna look at one from the New Testament later today. But I'd like to share a little piece of my story because I've been surprised a time or two. The year was 1977, it was spring, and Bryan College, my alma mater, was going to dedicate a new auditorium. At that time, we were living in Jackson, Tennessee, which was only five hours away from Dayton, and I was asked to give the invocation at the dinner to proceed the dedication. Cliff Barrows was going to be the speaker. Carolyn and I made our ways to Dayton. As we walked into the dining room, <clears throat> Carolyn and Billy burst into laughter. They were wearing identical, identical outfits. And Cliff commented on their good taste. Well, we enjoyed the dinner and the conversation. But then Cliff spoke. And afterward, I didn't remember a whole lot of what he said, but one thing came through loud and clear. It's time for you to move. 
wait a minute, that's, that's not a thing we need to do. After all, I'm a full professor, tenured, chairing the department. Carolyn's managing a bookstore for a couple of stockbrokers who read a lot and decided they could get books cheaper if they owned a bookstore, and they asked Carolyn to manage it. Our daughter was married. Our two sons were still in college. The year before, we had built an addition to the house and brought my parents from Texas. It was not an appropriate time. But God's message was pretty clear. And so, as we drove back to Jackson that night, Carol and I prayed. I kept my eyes open. We didn't debate why this was not the time. We knew from past experience that it was just waiting. And sure enough, the phone call came the next week. And we prepared to make our way to the Carolinas. And that's how we happened to get here and have this opportunity to share this time together. God has not stopped surprising us. Are you ready to be surprised? I hope so. And I hope you're open to allowing God to surprise you even today. Now, God is a skillful communicator. He doesn't always speak audibly, but he speaks clearly. And in order to hear his voice, in order to see his leadership, it's necessary to tune out some distractions. But I will testify that God still speaks. God still transforms lives. And God is still a shepherd who leads his people to refreshing water and nourishing forage. Let's share our stories. Let's walk together as God's flock at Providence Baptist Church. <laughs>